Yeah, you know, a lot of people say, um, why does Genesis really matter anyway? Isn't it more important to trust in Jesus? Well, let me ask you a question. What, who is Jesus and what did he do? Well, he died on the cross. For what? Our sin. Well, what is sin? Well, why did he die? See, even the foundation of the gospel is in Genesis. I mean, we have generations today who don't understand what sin is. They don't understand uh, what the Bible is. Uh, they don't know why there's death in the world. They've been taught death has been here for millions of years. And so we need to understand that it, every single biblical doctrine of theology, directly or indirectly, is founded in Genesis 1 to 11. Genesis 1 to 11 is actually the foundation for the rest of the Bible. It's the foundation for all our doctrine. And it's the foundation for uh, everything. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast, where our goal is to help you thrive in your homeschool journey. Before we begin today's episode, I just want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen or watch, including YouTube, and leave us a review if this podcast has encouraged you. Leaving a review helps other homeschool parents like you find our podcast. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook for more content. Today, I continue with part two of my conversation with Ken Ham. Ken is the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis and its two popular attractions, the Creation Museum and the internationally known Ark Encounter. If you missed part one, be sure to go back and listen to it. You don't want to miss the foundation that was laid in that episode. And now stay tuned for the rest of our conversation as we discuss the importance of a biblical worldview and teaching that to your children, creation, and enjoying life with your kids. And don't forget, take them to the ark. When my family started our homeschooling journey, there were so many decisions to make. But one of our best decisions was choosing to use BJU Press Homeschool. I've never seen my kids so excited to get textbooks before. I'm amazed by how interesting and interactive the lessons are. My kids actually look forward to them. We use the online video lessons for all our courses, but I know some families choose to teach from the textbooks. What I love is that I can trust BJU Press to uphold our values. The Bible and biblical principles are woven throughout each subject. I'll admit, I was a bit nervous when I started homeschooling, but I've found a wonderful online community of other BJU Press homeschool families and consultants. The Homeschool Hub also makes my job easier. I can set up our schedules and rearrange them with just a few clicks. On the dashboard, I can see each of my kids' progress, and the assignments page shows me quickly what's ready for me to check or grade. I'm glad my son's biology assignments are automatically graded. BJU Press Homeschool has given us the tools and confidence to homeschool our children. For more information, do what I did and visit the BJU Press Homeschool website or talk with your local HomeWorks consultant. So a friend of mine who's uh, who's a Bible scholar, um, when I was preparing my talk, for the Ark Encounter homeschool event, he said, Sam, did you know that the word pitch in the Old Testament is can also be the Hebrew word for atonement? And I just, he said, there's nothing wasted in God's word. And I just thought, you know, that whole idea of atonement that comes with the Ark is so amazing. And Ken, you have done the most unbelievable job of showing that to us in a way we can understand it 
and access it. Well, you know what's interesting when you look in the Old Testament, there's there's at least three hundred prophecies concerning the coming of Christ as the God Man, as the baby in a manger. But if you add in uh, types and allusions, there's probably at least they say two thousand. Mm-hmm. And so you know you can look. There's all sorts of ways in which you can look at different things, and you can see. A picture of Christ. You can see a picture of salvation, and all the way through the Old Testament. Yes, it's, listen, it's so amazing. Well, I know there's so many other things I want to ask you about. One is just tell me what got you interested in homeschooling. I, I, I want to ask you about teaching Christian worldview to our children. But you've always been such a faithful person in the homeschooling community, even when crowds were small before homeschooling got so big. I really appreciate that. Well, you know, I was a public school teacher, and I mean, when I grew up in Australia, there was no such thing as homeschooling. There was no such thing as Christian schooling. There was just no such thing. In fact, when our first child was born, we found there was a Christian school, one of the first in Australia, that a pastor was starting in a church, and so we we put him in that Christian school. Um, there was no such thing as homeschooling at that time. But over, over the years, you know, when we came to America and then we started to get involved in the homeschool movement, I mean, to me, Christian education for a Christian is not an option. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and people need to understand that secular education, public schools, they're really churches. They're churches of atheism. We have to understand that. You know, the Bible says you're either for Christ or against, you're either walking light or darkness, you gather or scatter. There is no such thing as neutrality. And I always say to people, you know, People have this idea, secular means neutral. And I said, right. you know, if you think about it from a biblical perspective, what does secular really mean? It means anti-God. So if you started saying it like this, and I say to parents, if you started saying it like this, maybe this will challenge you in regard to the education of your children. Oh, my kids go to the anti-God school <laughs> instead of saying secular school because that's really what it is. It's an anti-God school. And although you know, the Judeo-Christian ethic permeated education for quite a number of years. It's still not Christian in the sense of truly Christian. And, of course, now they're throwing God out, the Bible out, prayer out, creation out, and they teach you and explain everything by natural processes. Naturalism is atheism. And so, really, they're churches of atheism. And, and, and if you start to think about schools as churches of atheism and the teachers, most of them, there are some Christian teachers as missionaries in that system, but it's, it's so hard for them. Their, their hands are so tied today. Uh, but most of those teachers are actually the priests, if you like, the priests of these atheistic churches. And they're imposing their anti-God, LGBT, woke, uh, world evolutionary worldview on generations of those kids. And we need to have a look at what the Bible says. You know, as I say to people, we need to consider what God's word says about education. Because I've had many parents over the years, it's interesting, when when we sent our son to a Christian school in Australia, back in those days when, you know, first Christian school, no homeschooling or anything like that, we got a lot of opposition from people in the church. And what was said to me back then was the same as what I find over here in America and find by people who are against homeschooling here in America. Oh, our kids should be in the public school to witness to the other kids. And I've had that said so many times. Now, when we came to America, you know, we um, we began homeschooling uh, our children because we wanted to make sure that they had uh, a biblical worldview. And, you know, the Bible makes it clear that parents are ultimately responsible for their child's education. I mean, people can delegate to others, but ultimately the buck stops with the parents, 
right? right. Uh, parents are responsible. And children are a gift from the Lord. They're an heritage from the Lord given to us as parents. He, God entrusts them uh, to us to train for him. And whenever I've asked some of these people, well, what's your biblical justification for saying your kids need to be in the public school to be witnesses to the other kids? And if they do give me one, it'll be, well, where to be salt. The Bible says where to be salt. And I say, hang on, let's read the Bible very carefully. Uh, it, it says to we are the salt of the earth, but it also says have salt in yourselves. And here's a statement many people have not thought of. You can't be salt till you have salt. Your kids can't be salt till they have salt. Uh, as parents, our duty is to pour that salt into them, the truth of, of God's word, uh, to equip them with apologetics to defend the faith against the secular attacks of our day so that uh, they can be filled with biblical truth they know how to defend the faith and ward off the, the questions of our day that, that attack the Bible and can undermine their faith, um, then they can go out in the world to be witnesses. But you can't just throw kids to the world uh, to, to witness to others. They don't have that salt in them. And what will happen is they will be uh, actually contaminated. And that's another warning for Scripture. Contamination destroys. And once the salt's contaminated, it's no longer good for anything. And so for us as parents, it's looking at God's Word and saying, what does God's Word say about education? And, and you know, Zan, I've challenged people at times. I said, to them, look, you know, we have five kids uh, that have been uh, through college and they've all got college degrees, so I'm not in any way... Uh, undermining, you know, college education or anything mm -hmm. like that. We're careful which which universities we sent them to, right. uh, of course, because uh, there's only a handful that really take the same stand we do. There's not that many, but you know, as I say to uh, to to parents, uh, think about it like this. A lot of people look, oh, my son's a doctor. My my daughter's a movie star. Oh, my my son is a is a famous scientist. Oh, um, my daughter is rich. Oh. My my son loves the Lord. And here's my point. I would rather our children be ditch diggers and go to heaven than some famous scientist or rich person and go to hell. I mean, that's, that is the bottom line mm -hmm. when you put that's it really, really bluntly. In other words, what's the most important part of education? The most important thing is that spiritual education. There is nothing more important than your children know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's just nothing more important. I mean, because that affects their eternity, where they're going to be for eternity. Nothing else is important other than they know Christ. Now, we can add all those other things in and teach them a good education and all the rest of it in math and science, etc. But the most important thing is that they know Christ. And to get them to be thinking biblically so they know how to understand this world, because the devil is out to attack. And... The, their faith is going to be attacked. God's word is coming under attack. And in fact, God's word warns us that the devil is going to use the same method on us, which means on us, on our children, on our grandchildren, as he used on uh, Adam and Eve. And that method was in Genesis 3, 1, did God really say? In other words, there's going to be an attack on God's word, and that attack comes in various forms. But today, because of the teaching of evolution of millions of years, there's an incredible attack on God's word. And so... We need to make sure that we get them ready for those attacks so they won't be led astray. Well, that that is so interesting and so clarifying. I, I want to talk for just a minute, too, about the fact that education 
Um, I mean, we are all concerned about education. I'm so thankful for BJU Press uh, and, and an education that's got a Christian worldview built in. But our education, our kids' education should never fight with our belief system, should never destroy it. Should I, I guess it should just bolster their faith in God and not ruin it. One thing I want to talk about, I know we're, we're quickly running out of time, but one thing I want to talk about is the homeschool event that you do at the ARCIN. Tell us how that came about. This will be the third year in 2024. Well, uh, we actually call it a family homeschool experience. Now, there's an important reason why we call that experience, uh, and it's May 9 to 11 in 2024. And actually, for families who register, we make it we give them a really, really good price because it also includes a seven-day ticket, including parking, uh, to go to the Ark and the Creation Museum as much as they want over seven days. So they can come in before the conference, day after the conference and so on. But a homeschool experience because, you know, we looked at it and thought, you know, I've been to many of these homeschool conferences and they have a lot of workshops and they have a lot of, you know, uh, keynote lectures and they have all sorts of uh, books and materials and things there. Although I must admit that homeschool conferences, I would say probably 70% of the materials I wouldn't even touch uh, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. a lot of them, they're, they're either secular or they're compromising Christian or whatever. That was always a burden to me too. We recognize that these kids need uh, training in a biblical worldview. And at the Ark and the Creation Museum, we have some unique people. I mean, we have uh, all sorts of scientists uh, and we have, you know, science labs there. We have a horticultural department. And uh, we have a design studios where they design, sculpt, you know, work on all of our uh, exhibits. We've got a lot of unique people. We have a forensic scientist, we have an astronomer, we have an environmental scientist, and, and so it goes on. You know, because of all the resources that we have at Answers in Genesis, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, we've got the attractions for a start, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. Nobody else in the world has those. What if we had a homeschool experience where they come in, and they can take their kids to be impacted by the Ark and the Creation Museum. Uh, we also have zoos, and we have some wonderful animal presenters, That's and right. so we do live animal programs. So what if we made available to them to teach them biblical worldview in horticulture and and uh, in uh, zoology, you know, and, and offer them all sorts of labs and all sorts of other experiences, uh, as well as the lectures that we have and the you know the the keynote uh, presentations that we have, and so we thought this would be a great idea, and we we keep refining it year after year. But uh, this is a unique sort of a homeschool uh, event, and so that's why we don't call it a homeschool conference. We call it a family homeschool experience, experience. because we we want you to come with your family, and we want you to come with your kids. You know, I've been to many homeschool conferences where there's not really much for the kids. Sometimes they have some things for the kids, others don't. Uh, Whereas this, come as a family because we're all all about family. You know, the family is the first and most fundamental of all human institutions that God ordained in Scripture and the family is the unit God uses uh, to transmit that spiritual legacy from one generation to the next and the devil is attacking the family. I mean, right now we've got a war on children, we've got a war on marriage, there's a war on the family. Uh, he's trying to destroy the family. And so come as a family and then experience these things as a family. Uh, so it's, a, it's, it's, it's creating that 
bonding as a family, experiencing things together, and so the kids as well as the adults can really experience all sorts of interesting interesting things from a biblical worldview perspective. You know, um, Joe and I have been to both of them, and we'll probably be back um, this year. We BJU Press Homeschool has been one of the major sponsors of the event. And uh, so the first year we went by ourselves, and then I thought, oh, man, I need to bring my grandkids back the second year. And the, there's, there's a canine show. There's, I mean, I have one son, grandson who's really into reptiles and there was a snake event. Right. And, and I'm not lying. The food is really good. And so if, you know, when you want to eat, you've got a lot of different choices and a place, a good, great sit down. Um, I won't even call it a cafeteria that doesn't do it justice, but I mean, it, everything that goes with it, is amazing. Um, there's a virtual event center that they can go to. Um, there's a playground. You just, and, and the workshops, the workshops for the kids, they really are truly amazing. You need, you need to put it on your calendar now, May 9th through 11th, and plan to go and take your kids. And like Ken said, they're so generous. You can stay for days before or days after and see every nook and cranny of the ark and the um the creation museum and uh, so uh, go i'm just telling you please take your kids and go um ken when we were there last time i think the closing event was martin isles am i saying his last name correctly yes that's correct yes and and i i understand there's some changes coming at answers in genesis and he was amazing lalo asked us to stay and hear him we had thought about leaving a little early and i'm so glad we stayed even my grandkids we were just all spellbound and uh it, it was he was amazing well he led a movement a christian movement in australia I mean, the only movement that um, it uh, would come near the size of that movement was back in the Billy Graham days when he went to Australia in the late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands of people went to the Crusades and so on. But there's been nothing like that ever since. And he led a movement in Australia that um, rallied tens of thousands of people, mm-hmm. uh, hundreds of thousands of people across Australia um, to make a big splash for, for the Christian faith. And they distributed millions of gospels into homes and so on. And uh, just through a series of circumstances, uh, the Lord brought him over here. I mean, we all get old, right? (laughs) And uh, one of the things I've always been concerned about is, you know, who's going to lead this ministry for the future? And uh, while I'm still here, uh, we should try uh, to make sure that we set this up for the future. And so when I saw Martin, he has the same... Uh, stand we do uh, same burden vision he's and he's very much he's of the younger generation so he's he understands the culture and what's happening in the culture and uh, you know dealing with the gender uh, gender issues you know identity and so on and LGBT which have become really dominating issues in our culture and so we've appointed him as executive CEO under me that's a radical idea but why not uh, so that he has the authority to look after the organization mm-hmm. and staff and supporters see him having that authority. And I'll still be founder CEO as a mentor and still overseeing the whole organization till till I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to retire. I mean, Oh, we're my, so glad. My, I figured you would <laughs> not be retiring. My philosophy of retirement's like Moses. You know, he retired the day the Lord took him. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so. Amen to that. 
Well, that is that is really exciting. So I, I want to talk about a couple of your books before we close. Um, Already Gone is not one of your newer books, but I just want to tell you how much that book meant to me. And I'm always reading. And, and so there are very few things, very few books where I just have these ideas that just stick with me. But one of the things you said in Already Gone is that if we're waiting to the high school years to teach our children a biblical worldview, we have waited too long, that we're losing our kids in elementary school. So would you speak to that just a minute? Yes, we did a, a general survey because back when that was uh, actually uh, produced back in 2009, George Maynard had done some research. You know, He's a well-known Christian researcher mm-hmm. in America, showing that two-thirds of young people are leaving the church by the time they reach college age and very few are returning. So we decided to do research on why those two-thirds are leaving the church. And by the way, as part of that research, we confirmed that, yes, two-thirds were leaving the church by the time they reached college age. And we found that a large percentage of them <coughs> were leaving by the end of uh, elementary and middle school. And, you know, it was like uh, 30 or thirty or 40 percent, then another 30 or 40 percent by the end of high school. In other words, by the end of high school, most of them were already left. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them had... By the end of high school, most of them had already left. And uh, so that's why we call the book Already Gone. And when we did the research, we found that they weren't being given answers to questions. They weren't taught apologetics. Most Sunday school material is really shallow fluff and stuff. And so out of that, we actually produced our own Sunday school curriculum called Answers Bible Curriculum, which is a a whole chronological walk through the entire Bible for kindergarten Mm -hmm. through adult and it's a four-year curriculum. We're actually now producing a two-year version of it, uh, giving people a whole survey of the Bible, but with an emphasis on worldview, uh, apologetics, and uh, it's evangelistic, and teaching uh, good doctrine, and so on. And so that that book really opened the eyes of a lot of pastors. There's a lot of churches that change their own whole approach to doing Sunday school, their whole approach to how they teach young people in the church, uh, because of that book. So that book had an incredible impact mm-hmm. on uh, mm-hmm. a significant number of, of churches. Yeah, it's, it's so, and it's so important for us as parents to understand that we need to be teaching our, our kids a biblical worldview really from the time they're born. Um, and, and you know, Ken, I know that you always go back to Genesis 1 through 11. Would you talk to us about that for just a minute, the importance of Genesis 1 through 11? Yeah, you know, a lot of people say, um, why does Genesis really matter anyway? Is it more important to trust in Jesus? Well, let me ask you a question. What, who is Jesus and what did he do? Well, he died on the cross. For what? Our sin. Well, what is sin? Well, why did he die? See, even the foundation of the gospel is in Genesis. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have generations today who don't understand what sin is. They don't understand uh, what the Bible is. Uh, they don't know why there's death in the world. They've been taught death has been here for millions of years. And so we need to understand that it, every single biblical doctrine of theology, directly or indirectly, is founded in Genesis 1 to 11. Genesis 1 to 11 is actually the foundation for the rest of the Bible. It's the foundation for all our doctrine. And it's the foundation for uh, everything. You realize there's not there's there's nothing that ultimately is not found in Genesis one to eleven. When you jump over to the New Testament, for instance, and you go to Matthew nineteen, where Jesus was asked about marriage, he said, "Haven't you read 
who made the beginning, made the male and female, so two genders, and said, for this cause shall a man uh, leave his father and mother, and they will be one flesh. In other words, um, Jesus quoted from the history of Genesis to give the foundation for marriage. And when you go back to Genesis, uh, you, you find where's the origin of sin? Genesis 1 to 11. Origin of death? Genesis 1 to 11. Why did Jesus die on a cross? Genesis 1 to 11. Why is he called the last Adam? Takes the place of the first Adam. Genesis 1 to 11. Why do we wear clothes? God gave clothes because of sin. It was a setup of the sacrificial system pointing to the ultimate sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's Genesis 1 to 11. Why do we have a seven day week? Genesis 1 to 11. Why does man have dominion over the creation and not the other way around? as the climate change people today would have it, because God gave man dominion over the creation. Genesis 1 to 11. Why do we have to work and work hard? Well, that's Genesis 1 to 11. Uh, we had to work before sin, but then we had to work extra hard uh, after sin. And so ultimately, Genesis 1 to 11 is like a foundation for a building. When I'm communicating to people, I always like to communicate as if you're building a building. You don't build from the roof down. You don't build the walls first. You've got to build the foundation first. And the foundation for everything, if you want to deal with any issue, you want to deal with the marriage issue, the abortion issue, fossils, death and suffering, the race issue, it doesn't matter what it is. You have to start with that history in Genesis 1 to 11. That's the foundation. And once you've got that foundation, you know, like God made Adam and Eve, we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. There's only one race, the event of the Tower of Babel. God gave different languages for different people groups. And so you build your way of thinking to look at the world today, understanding there's only one race and there's different people groups because of the Tower of Babel, but that's where you start. Uh, when it comes to the abortion issue, you know, we're made in the image of God. Animals are not. And right from fertilization, we're made in the image of God. Therefore, abortion is killing a human being made in the image of God. You start from that foundation. When, when you're presenting the gospel to somebody, you start with, well, where do we come from? Well, you know, um, the Bible tells us about God, who's always been there, who created. He created the first man and woman. The first man rebelled. Sin came into the world. Death is a judgment upon sin. So that's the foundation to understand we have a problem. We're alienated by God, from God. And then God promised he would send a savior to come and rescue us from sin and eternal separation from God so we can be with him forever. So you've got to start with that foundation. So I always look at communication as starting with the foundation. So think about the fact that the Bible, uh, when, when you hold up a Bible, that Genesis 1 to 11 is like the foundation of the rest of the Bible, but it's the foundation ultimately for everything. Well, that is so powerful. And I'm assuming people can read more about this in your book, Creation to Babel. Yes. Uh, in fact, um, I have a book called Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos in a Conflicted Church, where I really deal with the foundational aspects. And then Creation to Babel is interesting. It's a, it's a commentary, a verse-by-verse -verse commentary on Genesis 1 to 11. As I tell people, it's unique because you can understand it. Uh, and because, <laughs> you know, a lot of commentaries uh, can be pretty hard to understand. Yes. But it's for the whole family. And I go verse by verse through the whole book of Genesis and show, uh, answer all the most asked questions I've been asked in 40 years and show how foundational it is to everything else in the Bible. So if people go through that with their families and you can read it as a family, they will get it. They'll get that foundation.
I started with saying I'm reading right now, Will They Stand? And I've really enjoyed that book as well. It's just a different book. And and it's very relational and anecdotal, but still has the same heart for the gospel and for the word. And so, Ken, I just want to thank you so much for all you've done um, in the lives of so many people like me and my kids and for your impact on the kingdom and building the ark. We love the ark. And uh, so, so thank you for your work among us and being so faithful to your call. Hey, thank you. And I appreciate all you do. And we just want to be able to help parents. We want to come, come alongside parents and help them disciple their children. Uh, That's what it's all about. So as we close, Ken, I know you are all over the internet, but if people want to get in touch with you or Answers in Genesis, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, we have a lot of different websites, but the main website is answersingenesis.org, answersingenesis.org. And, of course, if they just do a search for Creation Museum, Ark Encounter, they'll find those websites. They can also follow us on uh, Facebook. Uh, So I have a big Facebook um, account. And uh, we also have YouTube channels. Uh, Answers in Genesis has a YouTube channel, has, you know, what, 600,000 subscribers, I think. And I have a personal YouTube channel. We also have a streaming platform. And the streaming platform is answers.tv. We have 6,000 programs on there. Great for homeschoolers, by the way. Oh, that's fabulous. You know, we, not only do we have all of our presentations, we have lots of kids' programs. We're doing unique kid programming as well. Uh, plus, we have science experiments, we have animal, live animal programs, uh, you know, and a lot of our BBS materials, our songs and Bible teaching. So it's an incredible streaming platform, Answers.tv. Well, thank you. And I want to thank all of you for joining us today for the podcast. We know you have lots of places to spend your time, and we appreciate you spending it with us. You can find me at zantyler.com and all of my social media handles there. So uh, we continue to pray for you and your families and that the Lord will bless you in your homeschooling. So until next time, bye. Bye.